This is The Hidden Why Podcast, episode 991, my interview with J.F. Benoit. We're discussing his book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind. Please enjoy. G'day, J.F. Welcome to The Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, no, a pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Um, yeah, congratulations to the success of your book as well. Um, looks like it's doing phenomenally well. Uh, you just said 30,000 copies um, yes. sold. That's yeah, it's amazing. Been amazing. Very good. So the book, guys, out there listening is Addicted to the Monkey Mind, uh, Changing the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. Now, I suppose, uh, I mean, if we can if we can focus on the mind and the mindset um, with a bit more clarity, I think that's where everything starts in life. And, and uh, regardless of our circumstances, the pains and pleasures we may be experiencing, the, the situation that we're in, the good, the bad... I think if we have a good, strong mindset, we can make uh, all moments um, a little bit more happy. Well, I would say that, you know, a healthy mindset is a happy life, that's for sure. Hmm. What got you into this work and this research? Well, I've been, you know, I was introduced to the self-help world when I was about 15 years old. I did a seminar uh, called uh, Relationship. It was a derivative of EST, which was a huge, or, a huge organization in the 70s. And so it was It was kind of like, I think it's been, I've been wired in to, you know, to have such a huge passion and interest to try to understand, you know, how, how we get to be happy, how we get to thrive. And, you know, over the years studied with some amazing people, Barry Neal Kaufman in Massachusetts, uh, studied a process of Socratic in- inquiry for three years, and I've been in- involved in uh, a men's organization called the Mankind Project, which does, you know, uh, modern initiation. Um, and so there's just a lot of different things that I've accumulated a lot of experience over the years about understanding how the mind and body relationship is so important and how um, we are conditioned and programmed to think the way we do. And as long as we're operating out of that conditioned thinking, uh, it's very challenging for us to be successful. And mm. um, some of us have been blessed enough to have received some good conditioning, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, there's parts to us all, isn't there, that um, that we need to, to unwire. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but certainly um, invert. Uh, so what, what is this et that you talk about? The, the what? Sorry, say that again. Is it eat or et? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, therapeutic um, methodology, experimental oh, yes. engagement therapy. What, yeah. what, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so experiential engagement therapy is, is the principle behind it is to really understand that most of the thinking happens at the nervous system level. And so... Most of us are not aware of that. So we, we operate out of an analytical mind and we think that we can be in charge of our lives just by discerning and thinking and analyzing and finding solution to things. Hmm. But the truth is, is when we get triggered, what's happening is that the body remembers all kinds of conditioned and things that have happened. And in that moment of being triggered, your, your mind is being hijacked by that conditioned mind, basically. And that's why, you know, I call the book Addicted to the Monkey Mind, because we don't even realize that 
we're sort of so, so hooked to that way of responding. And that's why people have a hard time creating change. It doesn't matter what the change is. You know, you mm. want a healthier body. You want to, you know, have more money, a better career, whatever it is. People can't seem to achieve it. And it's because they're not in charge of their nervous system. So is this like the subconscious level or what's the difference yeah, between that and the like, nervous system? Well, let me, let me give you some specific example to make it more digestible. Hmm. You know, think of all the times that someone gets triggered. You know, it's as simple as, you know, a partner says, you know, why didn't you take the dog to the vet? You know, and the person sort of gets upset and said, but I've been working hard all day. You know, hmm. where is that response coming from? So if you look at all the shortcomings, all the areas where we just fall short to communicating in a peaceful way, right? Those are all basically triggered moments that come from a conditioned monkey mind. Yeah. And okay. so as long as we don't understand how to navigate that, we just were caught in a circular fashion of repeating the same pattern and behaviors. Hmm. So possible to change. It's very challenging because the nervous system never gets addressed. So it's kind of like we use our mind for it's it's not the right tool right it's like you need a hammer you're using a screwdriver it, it's not it, it's it will never work because the nervous system needs to, it needs our attention and needs to be integrated so when when we talk about let's say just giving up a habit, habit as a, an example for this conversation um most people would, you know, I don't know, giving up uh, drinking, for example, you may just, well, get rid of alcohol out of the house. But that doesn't well, always stop the habit. Well, that's, you see, that's that's one way that we follow the analytical mind, right? So it's a, it's a fix-it mindset solution that says if you do this, then it should work. But what happens when your partner says something or you're at work and somebody says something and then you're triggered and then you're driving by the liquor store? Hmm. You know, what, what's going to happen? You're, you're going to stop and you're going to buy the liquor and go sit in the park or whatever it is that you do. So... What we're not looking at is that the source of the drinking is not the booze. It's the triggered nervous system that never gets integrated and dealt with. Yeah. So how do we become aware of this nervous system and, and, and the triggers, I suppose? Well, it's very exciting to me. I find it hmm. profound that we can learn a different way to communicate with ourselves and with other people. I call it the language of the nervous system, and it's about learning how to become in alignment with your experience instead of most of us are trained and conditioned to want to avoid the experience. So the experience, which one of the big part of what I talk about in the Addicted to the Monkey Mind is the fact that our emotions are one of the highest form of intelligence that we possess. So to give you some example, let's say, you know, like, Personally, I grew up in a, such a way where there was a lot of anxiety in the household. So I was, you know, was raised by a single mother who yeah. was overwhelmed, had three kids, and one of my older sister had epilepsy, so she was always in the hospital. So my mother was trying to keep up working a full-time job and, you know, so what would happen though on a daily basis is that she would act out anxiety and anger and would constantly sort of make it so predominant that she associated basically that men 
were irresponsible because they didn't take responsibility because she was married to an alcoholic who never took responsibility for, you know, for the family or the children. And so slowly, what I didn't realize is my nervous system learned to associate being a responsible man with anxiety. So if Um. something happens and let's say, uh, with my company, there's some financial trouble. My nervous system will do directly go to the response of anxiety as a way to try to take care of myself. Right. Okay. So that's not like something that I can sort of prevent from happening because it's been conditioned in me. And it's all it's it happens to all of us. Right. So what I can do about it, though, is develop some very specific skills to be able to bring consciousness to it. Uh, One of the skills that I teach a lot is the breath, using the breath as a way to access the experience and then tracking the experience back to a core belief that's being triggered. Hmm. So you see, when I get stressed about finances, the core belief that's being triggered is that I'm not a responsible man. And right. so as, as long as that belief goes unquestioned or I don't verify the validity of that, you know, cognition, I'm stuck to, to, to be doomed by whatever experience financially creates stress and then I can just be caught in a loop trying to fix the things ex- externally, but it never addressed what's happening in the nervous system, right? How, how do you identify that that's the core um, um, nervous system response, like that I'm not a responsible man, as an example? Right. It's, it's, and it's something that once I – you see, most of us think of recognizing those you know, you can call them, you know, character defect or whatever, but they're not even that. They're just conditioned program way of thinking that we've built an identity around it, right? So is does that make me weak if I acknowledge that I have one of those? And this is one of the biggest problem, and this is why we don't get to it, is because there's so much shame around all this, Right. So we have to learn that the language of the nervous system is the language of the heart. It's about opening up to the wounding that we receive, Hmm. that the wounding that exists within us is not something weak to recognize. It's the opposite. It's a strength. It's something that will make you stronger, will make you super smart and will make you, you know, invincible in a way. Because now what's happening to me is when anxiety shows up. I go to the breath, I go to my body, I recognize the anxiety, I integrate it, and then I take a shortcut and I go, oh, am I thinking that anxiety is going to make me a responsible man here? Am I thinking that I'm not enough because this is not going the way I thought it was going to go or this venture is failing or, you know, this financial struggle just showed up? Mm. So. And then once I'm able to recognize that, verify it very consciously with my adult self in the here and now, I can suddenly experience my whole nervous system calming down. And I provided reassurance. It's, it's like we're multifaceted. Like we don't realize that. We have multiple parts of ourselves, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's like the conditioning in the monkey mind has parts that are wounded and it has parts that are protective parts. And there's different parts that show up to try to sort of minimize the damage, right? But those never, ever 
uh, address the real issue, right? So we have to look at it through a different lens. And the book talks about developing what I call an observing mind, which is mm. basically the adult self. And think of all the ways that we function super well in our lives. That's the self. That's the part of ourselves that is not in those moments when we function well, we're not being hijacked by the wounded part or the protector part or by our conditioning. We're just functioning in the present moment, Yeah. right? We don't know how to access that part when we get triggered. That's the issue. So this, um, this nervous system, this, this sort of automated response that we are conditioned to, we can't really change that. We can just become more aware of it so then we can better manage it. Is that correct? It's so beautiful that you said that because this is exactly the cycle of what most people are stuck into is they're trying to fix it and they're thinking of it as if it was something that they could permanently change, hmm. right? It's like they're looking for the ultimate recipe and, and conditioning doesn't work that way. It's, it's truly, you know, exactly what you said. It's about integration. Right. That's what integration. Cause I think, um, yeah, I mean, if you're that way inclined, anxious in your situation uh, every time and you're constantly observing and becoming self-aware of it and then, I guess, choosing how to manage it, uh, slowly that's going to condition it in the reverse. Is that right? Yes, and what's important to understand is that the experience itself yeah. is what creates the change, not the thinking. No. So no, I mean, we can change anything through experience, can't we, really? The more we you can. do of one thing, then the, the less likely you'll do the other thing that you used to do. Right. It's like, think of it, you cannot learn to ride a bicycle by talking about it. No. And the same is true for changing the condition and the program way that, you're, that we're all stuck in. So yeah. what, what, what's important is, imagine this, some of the shortcuts that I've really, really learned that are profound are the simplest. So let me give you an example. Why is it that people... Do not, they have new year resolutions. They want to change their lives. They want to get thinner. They want to do, you know, all sorts of things. And how many people fail at it consistently? Yeah. Right. So if you look at it, it's because they're functioning from a mindset and that mindset is a fix it mindset and it doesn't integrate anything and it doesn't look at the current experience as an important part of the equation. The mind is stuck in the future. So I'll give you an example. I used to go biking, and at some point I realized that I, was, I wasn't happy about going biking. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's really strange. Like, what just happened? And I started noticing that my mind was, as every single time, was focused on being fit or going a certain distance. Uh, you know, it was just like all this future agenda of changing me, Okay. And what the body needs is that – so the body gets stressed when we think like that, right? Because yeah. the body is saying, oh, well, you're only going to love me when I when you're thin or when you're more fit or when you have more money or you, – you see what I mean? So, so the mind is chasing something in the future and the body's in stress right now because it knows that you're not in a relationship with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so imagine – it's as simple as this. What I did with the biking is I set, a, a, I set two things in my mind. I said, okay, I want to go biking for two reasons. The first one is that I want to have air in my lungs. 
I want to experience air in my lungs. Yeah. And the second is I want to experience nature. I want to see the trees around me and I want to see the animals and the whatever. So as soon as I got on the bicycle, how long do you think it takes for those two things to happen? Hmm. Not long. And so the reward is immediate, right? Yeah. And then I keep my focus. This is what mindfulness is all about. This is what des- de- developing a, an observing mind is all about. Hmm. So what happens is after I've done this 10 times where I've gone biking and my focus the entire time is, oh my gosh, I got air in my lungs. Wow, look at this bird singing. Look at the trees. Look at this mountain. Look at, you know, and just the whole focus after I've done that 10 times, when I wake up in the morning and think of biking, my whole body lights up. Yeah, there you go. Changing the way through experiment, uh, for, through the experience. And it's it's so life-giving. It, yeah. it is absolutely let me give you some other examples that are so simple. One of the things the body really needs is to be seen. Hmm. And we don't realize that, like, let's say you go to the grocery store. You know, how many of us will come home and will report to our loved ones, wow, it was so amazing. I went to the grocery store and the cashier just gave me the biggest smile and said something about my shirt. And then we got into a conversation about, right? And so, where is that joy coming from? What you were seen, the person saw and liked something about that you were wearing, but there was a connection and you were seen. And mm. we don't realize how much being seen is an incredible, crucial part of mental health, yeah. of, of being in your body in the here and now. And so think of all the ways that we could make efforts to see other people and that in exchange other people would actually see us. Hmm. You know, I, one of my favorite example that happened, you know, not too long ago is I was by, I was walking. I like to bike, but I also like to power walk. And in Hawaii, we have all these hills, right? So I'm power walking this hill. It's like four miles and it's, I'm, and I just love it, right? I just power walk this thing and breathe air in my lungs, nature. And as I'm coming back down, there was a local guy who's pulling out with his truck and he rolls down his window and he said, hey, bro, I said, have you been power walking this whole hill? And I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, you're an animal, you know, and he gives me a big smile and drives off. And as I'm standing there, I was I was like beaming. Right. Mm. I was beaming. And, and why? Well, here's a person that I don't know, a complete stranger who took the time and saw me. Right. And then my body is vibrating with joy. It's just. And so it's important to understand that shaping a different mental health has to happen experientially. Hmm. Hmm. What do you find the biggest challenge to, you know, the people that you teach about this, this therapy or this methodology, I suppose, what, what is the biggest obstacle in, in making it work for them? Well, I think the biggest one is that we don't realize that we argue for our limitations. And we argue. So, yeah, meaning that we we don't realize that we are busy defending our sense of self-worth. Yeah. And 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 we were not even conscious of it. So um most of us don't like the experience that we have. Most yeah. of us are busy avoiding 
denying, either imploding with our emotions or exploding with our emotions. And neither of those ways are about integrating the emotion. Hmm. So it's a challenge to think of feelings as a form of intelligence. Yeah. Right? Um, To give you another example, I... You know, you cannot, if you ask people, you know, if you, if you repress your anger, do you get happy? You know, if you repress Mm. your sadness, do you get happy? Mm. And so everybody would tell you, no, no, of course. Mm. But yet, so we don't realize that all emotions are interconnected, right? They're not, you cannot separate them and say, okay, I'm going to put anger on the side and I'm just going to be joyful. Well, no, the anger is there to give you some information. Usually it's about an inner boundary that you're crossing with yourself. And so if you don't look at that, you're going to stay and remain angry because you're not you're not integrating it and you're not acknowledging the belief that's behind that emotion. Hmm. And so you have to integrate those emotions and that way you integrate and verify the value of the thinking and the thinking becomes much more accurate to the current situation it's not just stuck in the past yeah so that's that's the challenge the challenge is to learn to be vulnerable yeah and to see how vulnerability is is a strength it's not a weakness yeah and that's that's you know probably yeah like you said it's one of the hardest things to to challenge oneself with in regards to becoming more self-aware is it, it's being vulnerable about that, you know, and, and letting yourself go there. Because I think a lot of people about self-awareness, um, as soon as they enter that sort of level, um, they, they pick up on things that maybe scare them a little bit about themselves. And that's when probably that more negative self-talk comes into play as well. And that then, you know, shuts them down further. Yeah. And, and, it's not our fault, and we have to develop compassion yeah. and kindness towards ourselves. Because think of how many of us grew up in a family where we were asked thousands of times, "Why didn't you do your homework?" Hmm. I mean, it's a, it's it's it Pretty looks common. innocent, right? But you know what that does to a nervous system over time? What is the belief that's being adopted? It's simple. It's like somehow I'm not enough. If I have to be reminded and if I have to be told day in and day out, why didn't you do your homework? Then some fundamentally the nervous system starts being wounded and thinking there's something wrong with me. That's right. So, hmm. so later on in life, we, we don't realize how th- this is the computer now. You have to think it's like, you know, if somebody was sitting there at your computer and putting in the coding, right, that's it. Why didn't you do your homework was the coding. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. there it is, right? Yeah. And so, so you can't expect yourself to suddenly be a mature adult when that's the kind of coding that went into you. Hmm. And I think that's a that's a really good point. I mean that that coding has developed over years, and you know, for us, a lot of people when they want to, you know, improve themselves for whatever it is, you know, whether it's giving up a, a bad habit or just self development in general, wants to get better at their job, their relationships, you know, they have this great motivation. Whatever triggers that motivation to do it, and they get into it, um, but then they realize it's constant, it's hard work. Um, and, and that's like anything in life. It's, it's continually 
something you have to continually practice um, to improve upon. It's not going to be something that you can do today and then woo, things are going to be better because it's embedded in that nervous system, like you said. Yeah, and it's if we can realize, though, think of how, many, how much energy and time and money that everybody puts in building a career. Yeah. Right? Or, there's so many things that we do. And, and, and I mean, most people brush their teeth every day and floss yeah. or you know, most take time yeah. to cook food. And those are all essential parts of being a healthy human being. Mm. Right. And, and it's just that in society, we haven't been thought that there's there's basically some basic skills that we can apply to our lives if we do them every day. That can make all the difference in building a strong mental health and not be under the spell of that conditioned monkey mind, right? Yeah. Like, for example, you know, developing a breath. So it's one aspect of what I talk about in the book, which is it's very, very simple. The breath is what connects you to your body. Yeah. And your body has information uh, mostly that comes in through emotions, but the breath is the bridge. The breath is the way that you can actually access all this information because the information doesn't come analytically. No. Right? So building a practice, very simple. I do it three or four times a day, depending. Usually about 15 mm. minutes at a time. Yeah. And it it provides a Just breathing exercise. Of, yeah. And, and the breathing is only witnessing that's the practice is witnessing what's going on in my nervous system what's going on in my body so do you close, close your eyes and sit on your seat and just have deep breaths or you know yeah i do breathe. a circular breath that you know something i teach in the book but it's basically the way animals breathe if you watch their stomach it moves back and forth so it's like breathing down into the belly button like imagine you got a balloon from your chest to your belly button and you want to fill up the whole balloon and you fill up the bottom of the balloon first. Mm. And then once it's totally full, you release it. And as soon as it's totally empty, you fill it back up and okay. you just sit in a chair with your, you know, with your back as straight as you can get it. And you just you can either keep your eyes open or close. And but the, the main main thing is to, you know, Initially, when I teach this to people, I tell them, imagine that your programming and conditioning brings a lot, a lot of discomfort that you're not aware of, and you have all these coping mechanisms. So imagine that instead of going to the coping mechanism, what we're going to do now is bring presence to this discomfort. So if you start to do this breath, I, you know, I tell people, expect to feel discomfort. And yeah. so... I even told myself when I started doing this, I would sit and before I sat and I always put a timer. I really recommend people use a timer because you don't want your monkey mind to tell you when it's done because it's going to tell you that this is a waste of time, you know. So you have to sit, put a timer, breathe, yeah. and yeah. then the focus is I welcome all this discomfort. Whatever's going to rise up, I'm not going to try to fix it or change it. I'm going to just keep breathing through it. And yeah. that sends the message to the body, oh, this is not so bad after all. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. So you get used to the practice of when that comes up in the real situation that you'll be the same. You'll be not reactive. You'll be more um, able to observe. It's exactly what we do. Because when you get triggered, when you have a practice of breath, the first thing you do when you get triggered is you breathe. Yeah. So you just because, do that a few times a day, this practice, huh? 
Right, because you've been training your body to breathe into the discomfort. So when discomfort shows up, your body's already trained. Oh, yeah. that's what I do. When discomfort shows up, I start breathing. That's um, that's the way to go, isn't it? Really. Oh, it's it's um. So do you do that morning, lunch, and night sort of thing? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. And I really like it. The um. Yeah, I mean, I like the title, Addicted to the Monkey Mind. It makes sense. Like if we can uh, have that practice and become more observing of our, our mind in those situations, we can then adopt the right you know, behaviours or experiences to help us you know, ultimately over the longer term um, change that. Um, and I think we have to, we have to start you know, somewhere and perhaps that's, that's a good place. I, I like it like you know, the breathing exercise. Um, it reminds me of the med- mindfulness meditation practice that I started adopting many years ago and I certainly noticed a big impact and it wasn't immediate, you know, it took a few years until I started really appreciating the benefits of how I was in, in certain situations and not perfect now, but, you know, certainly um, does pay off over the longer term. One of the things that's phenomenal about the breath is when we combined it with the awareness that it can bring us, hmm. right? So this witnessing is much more profound because the witnessing is not seeking enlightenment. It's not seeking to feel good. It's not seeking to change you. It's not seeking any of this. Yeah. The breath in this way and this practice of mindfulness is the witnessing of this conditioning. Yeah. And for me, I still think to myself, oh my gosh, like how long, like truly, how long is this going to go on? Yeah. Because the more you witness, the more it gets loud because mm. you realize how unconscious you were and the more conscious you become, <laughs> the more you go, wait a second, this mind is really insane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's 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 very freeing to realize the insanity of that mindset because because in truth the majority of what we think you know there's a a research that shows that 95% of what we're afraid of never ever manifests yeah hmm. and so that's like a that lot step. of crazy thinking you know that's wrong. that that doesn't do anything it doesn't go anywhere hmm. so it's a, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to develop these skills. It's pretty cool stuff, mate. What um what can people do to reach out to you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so um the book is on Amazon. Um so yeah. available. I'll stick there. a link in the show notes, guys, for everyone listening, so you can pick up a copy. Yeah, and um, one of one of the things I really love the audiobook, by the way. Um it's yeah. been a big hit too, because they it's you follow these two characters, it's very relatable. <laughs> And they have all the struggles that we have and they get introduced to this monkey mind and then they start understanding, oh my gosh, I'm really ruled by this monkey mind. And they start developing the skills to build an observing mind and then they start helping other people. And so Mm. it's very relatable, real life examples. So the stories are great. And when you order the audiobook, you can listen to it on your phone uh, and it's it's really easy and entertaining and fun. Uh, So and there's a Kindle version as well. 
And then uh, we have a center in Hawaii for that we help people with the mental health issues and stress, anxiety, depression, uh, addiction, eating disorder, all sorts of things. It's called the Exclusive Hawaii. Um, and then we, uh, I have a professional site, jfbenoit.com. And um, I do a lot of continuing education for therapists. I travel around the world and do uh, workshops for the public and okay. uh, and, and therapists. So yeah. and there's online uh, events that we do as well. I love it. Busy man. Yes. JF Benoit, pleasure in having you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. Guys, check it all out at thehiddenwide.com, episode 991. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwide.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon